Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at K.com slash TrueFans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game, numbers, and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm sick to this, this the, the real deal. And you know I gotta shout out the Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max, sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go! Hey, what is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. Uh, if this is your first time here, thanks for being here. Glad you found me. Uh, if you're part of the Nerd Mafia already, thank you. Welcome home. Uh, this show is being brought to you by the uh, TPPN Network or the Pigskin Podcast Network. Uh, this week, I'm super stoked because we're going to dive deep into the Bills. We're getting down onto the sideline this week, and we're going to get a little talk about what's going on around the camp and preseason and everything like that. So this week, I'm joined by Dan Fates of the thebuffaloplus.com where you can see him on TV at uh, 13 Wham over there in Rochester. So, Dan, welcome in. Uh, why don't you tell anybody that may not know who you are already uh, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, Cole, thanks for having me on. I, li- I like the nerd mafia. I like that. that that's got a good ring to it. So I, I appreciate having me on. Yeah, I've uh, covered the team now. This is my sixth season. My first season covering the Bills in the sidelines here in Rochester was um, Rex Ryan's last year. And I will vividly remember that as I was the guy that got the shot of Rex Ryan's Bill's billboard truck driving out of uh, the team facility. So uh, yeah, it's been fun and it's been a wild ride, especially the last few years from, I was at the side, I was in Miami when they broke the playoff drought. I was in the playoff game in Houston. So it's been 
it's a wild, weird way of covering this team as well as last year as we you know dealt with the pandemic-wise. It was great to be back at Camp Moore this year and obviously with the Bills. We're recording this on Friday afternoon. I'm excited to get back to Bills Stadium uh, tomorrow for the preseason game. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. I mean, the first preseason game game back in the building, right? We got 18,000 people to show up when it was a practice, right? So, I mean, I, I imagine there should be a, quite a few people there, especially because you do actually get a glimpse at Aaron Rodgers. You know, he might trot around, throw a few footballs and stuff too, which is cool. Uh, you know, especially it's Kids Day too, I believe, right? Doing something yeah. uh, Kids Day related too. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for coming on, Dan. I know you're a busy man. And uh, so before we get into all the football stuff though, like we do every week, we do like to highlight a charity on the nerd. And each week, uh, it is chosen by the guests. So this week, Dan chose Miracle Feet, a very cool organization. I uh, got a chance to go and check out what they're up to. It's very cool. Um, but Dan, why don't you go ahead and kind of just tell a little bit about them and uh, you know why you chose them? Yeah, Cole, I've done a lot of podcasts. I've never had this platform to like kind of be like, hey, pick a, a charity that you know is near and dear to your heart. So th- this was really cool. I've done other charities, I've, you know, especially during the pandemic. I sent money to places that you know businesses and stuff like that. And it's funny because every once in a while you'll get somebody that's like, oh, why didn't you donate to this charity? It's like, there's a thousand, a million great charities. When you ask me to look at one, this miracle feat is near and dear to my heart. It helps um, people and kids with club feet. It's the most common birth defect across the world. There's something like 800,000 kids don't get their club feet treated. It's pretty much when your feet have like a right angle. So my daughter is one years old. Uh, we just celebrated her birthday about a month ago. She was born with a club foot, had no idea. So uh, that was crazy and wild, and it's been a, a follow my Twitter feed. It's been a hell of a journey um, finding the right doctors, finding the right care. Um, it's 100% curable. Um, it's just about finding the right doctors. So um, we've become more passionate about Club Feet, being open about our journey. It's not going to hold my daughter back from doing anything. Uh, so it's kind of crazy when you look at more things. Um, Troy Aikman had a club foot. Charles Woodson had a club foot. Mia Hamm had a club foot, and they're all the top athletes in the world. So or were at the time. So. Uh, that's one that that's always really meant a lot to me as uh, we move forward. So I appreciate getting the chance to kind of talk about my daughter. She's had 30 cash. She's had two surgeries. She's in braces right now, but everything's going well. So we thank our doctors at um, Hospital for Special Surgeries in New York City. It's about five and a half hours away from where we are. And we've made 17 or 18 trips down there, but we found the right doctor. So again, if you got a couple bucks hanging around, Miracle Feet would be a cool one to donate some money to. So thanks, Cole. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's very cool. And I, I love that. And I love that it's near and dear to your heart, right? Because part of that for me too was that I started this whole thing because, you know, my son was born with cerebral palsy as well. So I've gone through these scenarios too, where you find these groups that are there to support people, you know, that are going through things that they weren't necessarily prepared for, right? So it's very yeah. cool. Uh, and this organization, especially, I think is uh, really trying to help out in other countries where yep. it's not as easy to get this access, right? I was reading some of the information on there. They're talking about things where this leads to long-term stuff where people might not even learn how to read or do things like that because they don't get exposed to the things that they need. So very cool organization. And like you mentioned, it is treatable, right? So it's one yeah. of those things that it is something that can be taken care of. So we just, it's about getting people the ability to get it taken care of, right? So very cool organization. Appreciate uh, it. Yeah. Like we do every week, everything will be in the show notes. You guys can click right over there if you if you haven't found them already. If you do want to find them, they just are miraclefeet.org. You could head over there as soon as you're listening to this. And uh, like you mentioned, we are recording this on Friday. Uh, you know, it's the 27th before the Bills do play tomorrow. So I just kind of 
before we got into the kind of what was really taking place for me watching this in the offseason, you mentioned you've been with the team for six years now. So your last one was 2019 was the last one you actually got to be there for. Right. And I feel like even in 19, we started to see the transition. But does this because me looking at it, it feels incredibly different to every other preseason that I've ever seen or training camp. How about you? I mean, does this what we're building right now, does it just feel different? Yeah. And it comes from the sense of you're always kind of thinking like, I can't tell you how many times and it's the cliche. And like I said, training camps get repetitive if you've covered them and then the weeks continue to roll on and it's a lot of the same things. Um, but this training camp was different because Josh Young and the offense just seemed to pick up where they left off last season. There wasn't any of this like, oh, well, hey, the defense is ahead of the offense right now. It's been the exact opposite. The offense has been dictating training camp. And I, when people have asked me like, what's it like? What's, you know, how does Josh look? And I, we always used to joke around covering the team like, I wonder what it would have been like to cover a Tom Brady practice in New England or what it'd be like to cover the great quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, for example, of that. And the people that I've talked to that cover the team, they say, well, like, the football doesn't hit the ground. And like, that's what's happening right now in Buffalo. Like when Josh Allen goes through these 11 on 11s, we were there the one day he was 16 of 16 to start out 11 on 11 when they went live. Like he has where you're like, oh, well, maybe he'll get there. Like last training camp, we were hoping he would take the step forward. We thought, you know, third year jump, all this stuff. We were never talking about MVP. That, that, that just wasn't a conversation. And now you're coming in here and you're like, well, now he's got these expectations. He's got this $258 million contract. And it's like he's just continued last year's season. Like, like it's just carried on. So that's where it feels different, where this offense just seems ready to go. And I was surprised to hear that Josh Allen's going to play tomorrow. I just didn't think there was any need. Um, this offense didn't have a preseason last year. They came out of the gates blazing. The pieces are all there. The continuity's there. So if you want to know what's different, it, yeah, it feels different. Practices are up-tempo. Practices are fast. And not only that, I always remember, like, I'll tweet out videos after practice of Josh throwing a pass to Stefan Diggs, something like that. And I'll get a couple of people in the comments. It's probably Dolphins fans being like, well, there's nobody covering him. And it's like, this wide receiver. It, yeah, dude, I'm not saying he's threading the needle between three defenders. The difference is, is when the first two years of Josh, he wasn't completing passes to wide open receivers just on little go routes. Or if he was completing those, you know, the first few routes that they always do is they, they do like five yard comebacks and 10 yard slants, all that stuff. Josh would, you know, the, the wide receiver would have to adjust and make catches kind of all over the place. Every single ball is right in their face mask, right on the numbers. So it's not only that he's completing the passes, it's that he's completing them exactly where you want them to be. And all of those to me are just massive encouraging signs. So with, with all that pretty much being said, then I'd imagine that when the deal gets done, right, you, we we do sign this massive deal, right? Like we've never done this with a quarterback. I mean, even when Kelly was around, he was being paid okay, but the number wasn't even close to substantial, you know, compared to what this is. And when you heard that number, what did you think initially? Well, like you, you were, I think all of us were expecting it, right? Like it was going to be big. It was going to be something I was kind of hoping it wasn't going to be that Mahomes 10 year deal. I feel that's a disrespectful deal to the player actually, uh, that his market value is going to be like middle yeah. you know, part of that. So I like that it was a short deal and we've seen quarterbacks into the forties now, so he could easily sign another six year deal when this one's said and done, but where did it ring for you? Yeah, I was the one that kept saying, like, sign him now, sign him now. Like, what are you waiting for? I was under the impression that every single day that you don't sign Josh Allen, he gets more expensive. Like, I, my fear was that the Browns would sign Baker to 41 or $42 million. And you can, that's a whole different discussion. But I'm just saying, the highest paid quarterback isn't necessarily the best quarterback in the league. And that, that's what people seem to not understand. Like, Kirk Cousins was the highest paid quarterback at the time at one point. It doesn't mean he was the best quarterback. 
it's just people reset the market. So when Dak Prescott reset the market, I was like, okay, the next person is going to get 41 to 42. That could have been Lamar. That could have been Baker. And I was just thinking, Baker signs, Josh and his agent get to go back to the Bills and say, well, Baker signed for 41. I'm worth 44. You know that. And I was like, oh no, this is going to get bad. I'll start by saying that every contract is a good contract until it's not. And I go back to what the Carson Wentz deal, and I went like, that was such a smart deal. That was a great deal. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. And the Deshaun Watson deal is like, that's that's fair. So I will say that, and I will pump the brakes. What I like about this deal is that the Bills now can kind of plan ahead. And obviously when the big money kicks in at about the, the 2023, I think it is, that's when they're expected the salary cap to go up too. So when everybody's like, oh my gosh, he's going to make $40 million that season. Well, the salary cap should go up as well. So you're not going to take that massive chunk out of it it gives them plans they, they know what they need to do you will see contracts that will be reworked in two or three years by brandon b like there's just no doubt about it and that's the other thing that people talk about when everybody's like look at how long these bills players are locked up for john feliciano and mitch morris and matt milano they're all two-year deals colt every single nfl deal is two years we saw john brown like a classic example if you're like this guy's under contract it's like mm, he's not we saw bills players take pay reductions not like reworking money, just straight up reductions. And while people say like that's being a team player, I guarantee that Mitch Morse didn't call up Brandon Bean and was like, I got $2 million burning a hole in my pocket, man. Can you take it? Like these are all things that get worked around the, this money side. But like you said, Josh now, it's not a massive deal. Josh will get a chance to get another contract at 30, 31. He'll get a chance to get it. The Bills will have flexibility moving forward as their contract goes. So, so it... Right now, this seems like a win-win situation, and that's very rare that that can be said, but obviously we're talking about this in, on August 27, 2021, but it could be a steal if Josh goes you know, two, three MVP caliber seasons. This is a good deal, um, but you, you, you knew that this was going to be your guy. This was a problem. Um, <laughs> this was a good problem to have. You said they've never done it. The first part you got to do is find your franchise quarterback. That's really hard to do. Uh, the next hardest thing to do is to sign them. That's what you just have to do. It's the name of the game. Well, the other piece of this is the numbers never going down, right? They, there's not going to be quarterbacks getting paid less moving forward, right? There's at no point in, in this game is Josh Allen going to be like, yeah, give me 35 million now. And because, but like you said, it's all two year deals. His deal is reworkable and he will rework it. He is that type of player. You can tell he's that type of player. I believe the bills are anticipating him to be that type of player. You just watch new England do it for 17 seasons and show you exactly how to do it. You now have the guy that will do it and yep. he's really good too. Right. So it, it does feel like a win-win and that's why everything, to me just this offseason has been i'm like relaxed i'm like yeah mm -hmm. this is cool you know it's like it's it's fun going into a season where it's like you you have the expectations again that you're going to be good and you're seeing it you're seeing the preseason i think i was listening to um you guys on the buffalo plus and uh you know mike uh, or had mentioned vanilla in the preseason right and i was on uh, just the other day talking about this and to me our vanilla right now is so much cooler than everybody else's <laughs> vanilla that like was we were talking about the whole part. Are, are you a little nervous that we're stacking so many points on teams in the preseason, right? Because typically the teams that are good suck in the preseason. And I was right. like, no, you know what? Like we're just running real type of more aggressive plays. We're just trying a little harder. It just feels like our guys are like a little more energized. Well, and not only that, Cole, I, I looked at that preseason and everybody was like, wow, look. And, and I was one of them being like, Brian Dable's just showing off with Mitch, just getting to torch up the Bears. And, and I think that meant a lot. And, uh, you know, if anybody tells me, that that preseason game didn't mean 
anything to that locker room, you're wrong. Uh, that game meant a lot. You heard Matt Breida come out and talk about it. You heard Mitt, uh, Josh Allen on a, a Barstool podcast just saying that he's like, yeah, like this game means something. Like this game does. And so, but I will say this, the more preseason games I've covered, and it's weird going back after not having them last year, like it's so much more based on talent in the preseason than it is on coaching and scheming. Um, so like to see the Bills just have more talent, like I said that, when it was Mitch Trubisky and it was the backup offensive line and it was, you know, he was throwing to Gabe Davis and some of these other guys, I go, this would have been the best Bills offense in 20 years. Like their preseason offense was better than anything that Tyrod put together. And, you know, probably going back to a, a Fitzpatrick season, like that was how good the, this, this preseason was. And I don't even think Brian Dable was showing off anything. Like I, I get what you're saying. It was vanilla. Like he's just saying like, yeah, do this play, do this play. Cause I think Brian Dable is one of the smartest offensive minds in the NFL. And the fact that he's bringing back all these pieces and the continuity, I think the sky is the limit. And I go, while Josh may not continue to ascend linearly, like that's just not possible. Like not everybody just keeps getting better every single year. I think they could still score more points while Josh maybe has statistically not as impressive of a season, but he could have fewer interceptions, fewer fumbles, higher completion percentage, and the Bills could score 35 points a game this year. But I, I think it is unrealistic to be like, well, Josh has gone here and then here and then here. And so it just keeps going up. It's like, not quarterbacks kind of dip and flow. Like that's kind of how the cat and mouse game goes. The Bills threw a lot of things at teams last year that they didn't expect. Uh, not to get X's and O's, but they ran 10 personnel. They threw on first down more than teams expected. Those are things now that teams will adjust. Now it's on Brian Dable and Josh Allen to that cat and mouse game. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun watching the backups, but it is all depth now, and I agree. It's pretty much you're assessing the talent. We're just seeing that our depth is way better than a lot of the teams that we've matched up with so far, which is good, right? I mean, that's what we're supposed to be trying to build throughout this whole process. So that kind of trickles me into the next thing that I want to talk about, because there's a couple position groups that I'm like, I think are really kind of up in the air. And obviously now with some of the circumstances, injuries and other things like that, they're definitely up in the air. You kind of hit on Matt Breida already and what this means, like he's talking already, like he's part of this football team right when he comes out and he speaks like that yeah. and he talks about how important it is to me that makes me feel like he's part of this football team and he's been told that he's part of this football team so one of the groups I'm curious about is running back obviously I my position on it is that Brita does make three and he's our guy and I'm not even sure that like Jones sticks around this season and I think Williams is probably out and I think that it's going to be the big three Moss Singletary and Brita would you disagree with that or do you think there's somebody different no, I, I agree with that 100%. And I, I would give the edge. I know everybody loves how Singletary, you know, is ran in the preseason. Just to give my take on the preseason and some of that, like it's what Devin Singletary was or wasn't going to, did or didn't do in the preseason, wasn't going to change my opinion on Devin. You know, I know there were articles about how he was bigger and how he, he's, you know, changed his body. He's going to be this big guy. Like we're over the part of the season where like everybody's in the best shape of their life and everybody's working out as hard as they can and everybody's about to have a breakout season. Like, Devin Singletary, to me, at camp so far, has looked like the Devin Singletary I have seen the last three seasons. Like, I, I think he is got scat back size without scat back speed, and that's kind of a problem. I think the way this offense wants to be engineered is much more like we saw with Zach Moss in the backfield in Chicago, where it was these stretch runs, plays going off tackle, where it was one cut, get downhill, and kind of get your pads going. I thought he fits that more. They're both going to have roles in this offense, I would just give the edge to Moss over Singletary. I think Moss maybe gets 
65 to 40, you know, 35, kind of like the carries in my opinion. And then I'm with you. I, I think Brita has shown the veteran leadership. Uh, I talked to him earlier this year. It's kind of funny that he's the veteran at 26 years old in this locker room. It's not like he's washed up. This isn't Frank Gore coming in at the end of his career to, to mentor these guys. He's like, yeah, they told me to play music the one day. And they're like, yeah, you play the old music. And he's like, I'm 26, guys. Like, what are you talking about? So that's kind of interesting. I think Taiwan Jones makes the team as that security blanket special teamer. Like they've put so much emphasis on special teams and Heath Farwell and, and the Bills have had such a great special teams unit the last two years. I think he's one of those key pieces like a Daryl Johnson, a Jaquan Johnson. Those are guys that just really McDermott and Farwell light up when you're talking about what they can do. Now, anything that they add extra on offense or defense is gravy, but I think Taiwan Jones has solidified himself as a special teamer. And then I think you try and slide Williams back on the practice squad. So that worst case scenario, somebody gets banged up. God forbid you have two injuries in a game. Taiwan Jones could take a handoff in the fourth quarter if you need to, because he would be active for special teams. So you kind of have four running backs active if you need it. Um, but I, I, and I liked Antonio Williams until he got, he got nicked up with the stinger in that first game and, and, and had the fumble. So that was kind of a knock against him. But besides that, I don't see too much change I go, if, if they didn't keep Taiwan Jones, I wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, how could they? I, I agree with you, though, for the most part, that it's Moss, Singletary, Breed are the big three. Yeah, and I think the only thing that makes me feel that Jones might be expendable is watching Gilliam in his role in the preseason, that he could actually Good step point. in and just take a few carries here and there. Not that we, I, I think we'll run more this season, but we also might not run that much. So That's he really might need point. to come in and carry the ball like four times, right? Maybe, like, who knows? But mm-hmm. I, I do 100%. I'm glad that you said the Singletary thing because I've been Moss since day one, and I know everybody it really dislikes that. And when he said he bulked up, to me, that was like, so you slowed down? Like, I'm not sure that's what you needed to do necessarily, right? He still looks quick and he looks fidgety, but it's like, that's the exact opposite, I would think, almost of what I was needing from you. Brita's the speed now to me, and that's why he's on the team, right? Because that's what we need. Yeah, now he's shown a little bit more of that quickness that Brandon Bean talked about this preseason that I've liked, like that miss in a phone book booth kind of thing. That was the big, that was the big soundbite that Bean had that he was so, you know, so exciting. But I always go back to where people are like, well, Singletary was so good his rookie year, and then he wasn't great last year. And I go, the offense changed so much from 2019 to 2020, and they're not going to go back to 2019's offense. Like, this offense is going to continue to be pass-heavy, and right now, Moss is better in pass protection, and we hear Brian Dable talk about that all the time. You got to know who you're going to block and block them. Like, that's how you're going to get on the field. So I, I think those are strikes against him. And, like, again, yes, Singletary looked good against backups in a preseason game. Like, like, like to me that, that that's not where I'm like oh my gosh did you see that like kind of expected a an NFL caliber running back to have a couple of good runs in a preseason game against backups um and I always go back to where people are like if you loved Denver Singletary so much Colt why do you spend another third round pick the following season on Zach Moss like I, I it just doesn't make sense to me that that you are I just don't buy that the Bills are so enamored that Singletary is the clear one and that he's going to get the lion's share. I, I just don't see it. I don't think there is a clear one, period, dot, end of story yeah. in this offense when you can use McKenzie coming around. You can do, I mean, there's so many just different pieces to it that there isn't. But we'll see. that brings me to the next group, the wide receiver group. I think now it's really cloudy because of the injuries at the bottom half of what's really going to shake out here. I, I was kind of, Kumro's been like my guy that I think he's on the team. I've seen some people saying he should not be on the team, and I, I find that, 
I'm like, yeah, I don't get that uh, at all. I think uh, not only is he a veteran player that has been in big games, he fits, he's on special teams. Like every down I'm watching, he's on special teams. So he's finding roles outside of being the wide receiver. Is there one player that you would put in and maybe kick out at this point? No, I'm I'm 100% with you. This has been Jake Kumaro's camp. And like this isn't a this isn't a Brandon Riley, David Stills like guys that like, "Oh, he's the training camp darling, you try to get behind him." Just like you said, he's earned the respect of Aaron Rodgers around the league. If if you were to try and practice squad Jake Kumaro, he would be picked up in a heartbeat. And that's how you have to look at some of these decisions that Brandon Bean makes. Can you slide some guys onto a practice squad? Now there's going to be what 900 players that become active, you know, that, that become released and that GMs all have to go through. Jake Kumaro is one of the guys that would get picked up. Like it, it just is. So if you like him, you've kept him in camp this long, you're not going to sign him on the practice squad. He's going to make the 53 man roster. And as I was thinking, watching throughout practice in camp, like he's competing for playing time. Like if somebody were to go down, Kumaro has earned the trust and faith of Josh Allen that I've seen with my own eyes to be like, yeah, like he could get a couple snaps in a game and it wouldn't be the end of the world. And we know that Emmanuel Sanders has been dinged up. We know that, you know, Stephon Diggs has been dinged up. Like I see them going six wide receivers. And especially like you said, Kumaro has been so clutch on special teams and he's got size for a bigger guy. He runs well. You've heard all of the cornerbacks who've asked them about him and they're like, he's kind of crazy. Like you don't expect him a guy that big to be that fast or a guy that fast to be that big. Um, so it, it, I just don't see how any single possible way that he doesn't make the roster. And was Stevenson going to make this roster in your mind before the injury? It was tricky because in, that, my, in my eyes, he wasn't. I felt like he's practice squad and we hope that he sticks yep. there. And I know a lot of people feel like he might get scooped up quickly, but we have to remember he was a six round pick. There was a lot of teams that had an opportunity to pick him up already. And just because he had one kick return in the preseason doesn't necessarily change that needle. Yeah, and that's the other one that that is, you know, he makes that big play. You know, he had the catch with Jake Fromm uh, in the end of the first preseason game. It's like, okay, yeah, you, you know, but he hasn't really shown me much in training camp so far. Um, again, I think he's a guy that you could kind of try and squeak into a practice squad. Like I said, we always heard how great Duke Williams was and how great, oh, you can't let Duke Williams go to a practice squad because how is he not playing in Buffalo? It's like, well, if he's not playing in Buffalo, then there's 30 other teams that look at him and go, he's not playing on our team either. So, I agree 100%. The only tricky thing is, is if a team needs a returner, that's the only thing where they could say, hey, if we need a return guy, he's our guy. But I think Isaiah McKenzie has shown that that's what he's done. He's learned from Andre Roberts last season. And while he has muffed one or two in his career, you know, I think somebody was documenting that. Um, if you ever were worried late in a game, you also have Micah Hyde that is could be the designated punt catcher, as I would call. Like, he is sure hands... He's not going to give you a return, but if you need somebody to go back there and fair catch a punt, he could be that guy. So don't be so worried where Isaiah McKenzie brings you the high upside if you need a play and you need a spark. We're like, well, you need Stevenson. Like, you got other options. And I think that what McKenzie does, this lineup, and so what we have learned from Sean McDermott from his time is that you need to be versatile. And those 51st, 52nd, 53rd player can't just do one thing. McKenzie has a role in Brian Dable's offense. He will have a role on special teams. Um, McKenzie doesn't have really a role on special teams besides a returner and doesn't have a, 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 any part of this offense. So I'm the same way too with Isaiah Hodgins. Obviously injured again. If you could try and put him back on the practice squad, that's fine. But I'm under the impression that if a team takes a shot on Isaiah Hodgins, oh well, is kind of how I see it. I just haven't seen enough. Now, does, could he go off tomorrow? Sure. Would that maybe get some teams for him? And I think if that's the case, 
Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean would say, good for you. Go get your shot on a team. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Uh, this team actually strikes me as a team that would be willing to just not put anybody back there and just let them punt the ball and wherever it lands, it lands and we'll start from there. Right? Like, I, I just feel like we would potentially do that. Like, uh, So real quick, I know we're coming up on it. I want to get your opinion on one player on the defensive side of the ball because I don't really think there's much change happening over there from this last season. That, right. You know, I... Not a big thing. I like Hamill a lot this offseason. He seems to be around the ball all the time. So I hope he makes the team. But besides that one guy that's going to cost us money that I don't think is going to make the team is Butler. Where do you fall on him? He's he's the other guy that, like I said, I wrote down. Uh, you had said we would talk about the defensive line. And I have five locks. And then I have five guys that I just think four, three or four make the team. And I also just don't think that any of them are able to slide on a practice squad. The locks being... Hughes, Rousseau, Addison, Oliver, and Starr. Locks. They're absolutely a part of it. And then you go into the, you got to keep some of these guys for depth. They, they have played with Abada, Zimmer, Phillips with the injury, Basham, and then obviously Butler. And Butler is the one guy that just to me has not stood out at all. I'm trying to find him on the field. Whereas I've noticed Harrison Phillips. And he was a guy that I thought needed to have a strong camp because I didn't think it was going well for him. The way that you know you drafted all these defensive linemen, you know, you you bring back star. Like I, I was looking at the numbers game for Harrison Phillips. I thought he was playing really well. He played well in the Chicago game before getting injured. But we talk about versatility on other positions. Butler to me just doesn't have the versatility that a Justin Zimmer has shown, that a FA Abada has shown, about being able to go inside and outside. And even Carlos Basham is a guy that has has shown that, you know, in his career, he's played inside and outside too. So you look at Vernon Butler as a guy that just only does one thing. So th- that's a concern for me. And I know he took the reduction uh, this offseason, but I still see it as, you know, what have you done for me lately, Cole? And, and I just haven't seen much out of Butler. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree with all that. And I, you see Zimmer everywhere on the field. He's injured. He walks off and he comes right back out there and he's trying because he knows that he needs to do that and be, to be part of this team. Obata's the same way for me. It's the versatility piece. He can line up inside. He's going to line up outside. Every time he's on the field, you see him. You know where he is. It's just, and I get it's backups and stuff like that, but he's going to be in but there rotationally, the right? Yeah, it's rotational. Like our defensive line, they're all going to be fresh. They're all going to be healthy because they're all going to be out there very little. Right, they're going to be moving around and moving and grooving. So, that's my take on Abada. Is just that there's just so much more of an upside with Abada than there is with a Butler. You just kind of know what Vernon Butler's ceiling is. Look, he's a veteran. He's done it. A team would absolutely take him in a heartbeat. He would be on another roster. Like this isn't like the end of his career. But I look at a guy like Abada. I look at a guy like Justin Zimmer, who I've talked to several occasions. The team just loves this guy. And you hear Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier talk about him. When I asked Sean McDermott about him, he just goes, there's just something about him. He just has the it. And Leslie's saying that like he's the model that you want a football player to be like. And while there is some coach talk and stuff like that, like they're not going to blow smoke up their skirt just to say that. Like I, I really think that that they that those guys have earned the respect, their stories. And I go, if there's ever a guy that fits the Sean McDermott process, it's Justin Zimmer. Guy's been cut and signed 26 times. Division two guy has always scratched and clawed for everything. It's like if he was a wrestler, he couldn't fit anymore into Sean McDermott's team. 
Right, that's a hundred percent. I think what it is too, and we've seen that that the character guys tend to make this roster, and especially the veteran guys. I think we're gonna we're gonna see them get a little favor with all of the possibilities of how many guys could go down potentially. That those guys will stick a little bit more this season. But this team's deep. It's tough to be part of this team as it is. And if I can't find you, and I'm just a casual fan looking for you, then <laughs> the people that are actually looking for you, there's no way they're finding you, right? So. But we're getting right up here at the end, Dan. So I want to thank you for coming on. Um, before we head out of here, is there anything that you want to shout out? Um, anything you guys are working on? Anything you got coming up that you want to touch on real quick? Yeah, I got a couple of things coming up in the works on Buffalo Plus. Also, the big thing also, too, is the Buffalo Plus YouTube channel. Like, comment, subscribe. We got like full press conferences. We try and put everything up there. I actually caught up with Trey White's. I got Trey White's high school video. So he was a quarterback in Shreveport on offense before he went to Louisiana. He was also obviously a really good corner. I got his video. I actually sat down with him and showed him his video and got him to kind of judge off it. I got to show a couple of his players. Hey, who do you think this guy is? You know, it's one of your teammates. Kind of a cool story in the works, taking a little bit of time. But, you know, Trey White, I thought, was one of the you know cornerstones of this franchise. And you always saw him as this likable, happy-go-lucky guy. And then when you saw him sign his extension last year, you saw that softer side. And and he was emotional about what it meant to him and what it meant to his family and the kids in Shreveport, you know, a very poverty-stricken area of the country. Really kind of cool to get to sit down and talk with him. So that'll be out coming up at the end of uh, the preseason. Awesome. That sounds like an awesome story. And I'll be looking forward to it. And obviously, you guys can find Dan pretty much daily or whatever over at 13WAM or on buffaloplus.com or on the YouTube channel, the podcast. He's everywhere. So you can follow him around. I do follow you, obviously. Uh, you put out a lot I of cool highlights it. and stuff from camp. So I enjoy that a lot. Um, so it's very cool. So thanks a lot for being here, Dan. Uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Hopefully, uh, we get to carry the winning streak on, like if that matters in the preseason, I guess. I don't know. It's been fun either I think way. So a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to win either way. I mean, imagine if we went an entire preseason season into the season and never lost the game right then that's, that would that's be cool fun. too right so i mean i'm not gonna say no to anything at this point but thank you everybody for listening in i uh, appreciate you guys wouldn't have a show if nobody was listening uh, make sure you guys go check out the uh charity that we highlighted this week and all that stuff will be in the show notes how you can connect with dan will be in the show notes and everything i'm up to you guys can find over at the buffalo nerd.com and obviously go bills Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.